This is Thoughts from the Metal Cavern, where only one opinion matters, and it's not yours. G'day there, and welcome to It's a Ponderous Life, Episode 2. And today, given that I've already recorded it, so I'm doing this intro after I've actually recorded my pieces for today, so it's a little bit of either uh, future past or past future going on here. I speak about uh, a couple of things that have been going on with me recently. Uh, firstly, catching up on some uh, TV shows that I've watched that may or may not interest you. And in the long run, uh, it's about my ponderous life, not yours. So if they don't interest you, I can't help you, I'm afraid. Uh, also, speak about... Uh, well, I'm basically using you as my psychiatrist couch today for a short period of time as I get things off my chest, um, which may or may be of any interest whatsoever. And in the long run, I think it was just about me trying to express that to myself and the seven people in the world that will actually listen to this. And also, Coldplay tickets. Should this be as difficult as it is to get them? You'll find out on today's episode of It's a Ponderous Life, right here on Thoughts from the Metal Cavern. So I'm sitting here in the Metal Cavern, and I'm currently trying to get Coldplay tickets for my middle daughter and her two friends, which is very exciting for everyone. Has anybody been in this situation in recent times, and I suppose especially with Taylor Swift, where the ridiculous situation is, you have to get online, and you get put in the waiting room, and you see that line going across your screen again and again as it counts down 10 seconds, and then you see it refresh, and you do it again, and you do it again, and you do that for hours on end, for Taylor Swift, as it turns out, and you don't get in. Now, I suppose when there was like 10 million people trying to get something like 400,000 tickets, it was always going to be problematic. But I hate the people who get not only got tickets, but then got them again for a different concert at a different time. I mean, you know, is there a fairer way of doing it? I don't know. Anyway, I'm sitting here in the pre-sale for Coldplay waiting for that. So while we're doing that, let's talk about what I've watched on TV in recent times. And I've caught up on three different science fiction shows of different calibres and different stories. So the first one that I finished was uh, Loki Season 2. Now, for anyone who doesn't know Loki, he is a character from the Marvel Cinematic Universe and obviously was seen in the Thor films as he is the brother of Thor and has also been in several of the Avenger films, uh, generally as the villain. (laughs) Uh, And... 
I think it was uh, last year or the year before. It must have been the year before when they actually did a series on Disney Plus of Loki, where he got pulled out of uh, the time variant that he was in and went to the Time Variance Authority, the TVA. If you haven't seen the series, then it's probably very difficult to try and explain it to you. And honestly, it is well worth it because Tom Hiddleston is just absolutely fantastic as Loki. In all the films that he was involved in, he was a shining light because he was evil, but in a way where he just wanted to be noticed. He's he's not really someone who wants to... um, you know, be completely evil. He just wants everybody to love him and he wants to rule over everyone. But this is a different side of him that we see through the first series of Loki and then into the second series. And it opened the character up in such a wonderful way that couldn't have been done in the normal scheme of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Um, so he is fantastic. And Owen Wilson, who plays Mobius in this as his offsider, is just brilliant and I know we've all seen Owen Wilson in the the films that he's done where he's generally the laugh about knockabout sort of (laughs) crazy sort of character Um, I'm thinking especially of Zoolander and things like that but he is fantastic in this role which is you know it's a a sort of dramatic role with some humor in it and he is brilliant in this and I think that it's going to be an even better thing for his career because he can show he's shown now that he can actually do that kind of thing. Um, like I said, it would be very difficult to sort of explain the storyline. Anyone who has not seen it and you like science fiction, I mean, you don't necessarily have to have watched the Marvel films or necessarily even like the Marvel films to actually enjoy this show. So it's well worth it. Uh, both series are only six episodes each. They generally go from anywhere from about 30 minutes to about 50 minutes per episode. It's very easy to binge if you're into that kind of thing. And um, I think it's fantastic. I've now I've watched Series 1 twice and I've now watched Series 2. And I'm going to go back and watch Series 2 again because I think there's still stuff you'll pick up the second time uh, that you wouldn't necessarily got the first time. So that was the first thing I finished. And then I uh, started watching, um, now, all of us, I think most people who, who stream things that watched uh, Squid Game when it came out, was it this time last year or the year before? It must be two years ago now. Uh, and it was huge at the time on, on uh, Netflix and everyone watched it and just marveled at how uh, ingenious it was. I actually did an episode on this podcast about it. More about the fact that it could have been a lot shorter than I think it ended up being nine episodes, which is way too long. They could have done it in six and it would have been so much better. Well, what they've done now is they've actually done a reality TV show called Squid Game, the something, right? I can't remember what it's called, the Squid Game, the, the actual game. And it is. 453 people go in and they play this pretty much the similar games that are in Squid Game, without people dying, of course, but if you get caught, you are eliminated from the game. And yes, it's $4.53 million prize at the end. It's $10,000 for each person eliminated. That is ludicrous. And there are people from all over the shop. Uh, there's a lot of Americans involved, which is ex- 
exactly why he copped most of the Americans in the interviews and stuff. But there are Australians involved. There are people from all over the world who are actually being brought into this game. They must have had some sort of application to go into it and actually do this. So I've seen the first five episodes. That's all they have put up at the time of I'm recording this show. And it's been interesting, more interesting than I actually thought it would be. Um, now, they obviously have a lot of cameras and they, they show a lot of people and they show what's happening in the dorm room, obviously, what happens there and what happens during the games and all that kind of stuff and the alliances being formed. and um, So it's, it's, it's like, you know, it's Survivor. It's just that it's in the Squid Game... Um, <laughs> it's in the Squid Game uh, complex, basically. Uh, and there's a lot more people in it and it's going to go for a lot less time than Survivor and you're not starving, but everything else, all that gameplay and that um, alliance sort of stuff is all involved. So the first five episodes to me have actually been rather enjoyable, and I'm interested to see how it finishes up whenever they release the final episodes, however many that might be. Again, perhaps it goes a bit too long in some episodes, I would have thought some of them could have been shorter, but for, I mean... They must think they're going to make a hell of a lot of money if they're offering $4.5 million as the prize for the single person. So they've got to be making more than that to do it and then to produce it. So is that how much all our Netflix um, contributions add up to? (laughs) Because that's a lot of money. And you can see why they're getting down to the nitty-gritty now with about uh, 70 or 60 people left. that They're all pretty keen to not get voted out because it's a lot of money at stake. So I'll be interested to see how it finishes off. The third thing that I watched uh, was the first episode of the 60th anniversary three-episode special of Doctor Who with David Tennant back in the role of the Doctor and... Um, of course, the character of Donna Noble has come back and is, I've only seen the first episode because that's all that's been released so far. Uh, and we see how she's going to impact the, the storylines going ahead for the next three episodes. I can only assume that she'll only be around for as long as David Tennant will be. Uh, and look, the first episode was good without being brilliant. Um, there were some really nice moments between uh, the Doctor and Donna, and Donna's now family. Um, so I thought that all worked really nicely. The actual uh, evil villain, as it was, the, the the threat that was happening to Earth was sort of, I don't know, a bit on the back foot. I just didn't think it really warranted as big a threat as they all made it out to be. <laughs> so... It was fine, um, and I think the important thing is not building up or building it up too much to expect too much from it because it really is a big thing with David Tennant coming back in as the Doctor. Um, obviously, Jodie Whittaker has done her three series, and there was a sort of a concern over how that went with Chris Chibnall in the in the hot seat as well, and perhaps it didn't quite work well enough with the writing and, and, and with the character as such. So bringing David Tennant back and Donna Noble back, um, sorry, the character of Donna Noble, um, bringing them back for these three episodes for a 60th anniversary sort of thing, it, basically in order to revitalise interest, I guess, before we go on to the new Doctor, who will be the 15th Doctor, I think, if I remember correctly. 
like I said, it was it was fine, uh, but it's not something that I sort of felt straight away. Oh, I should watch that again. Uh, I'm sure I probably will uh, once all three episodes have been aired, but it wasn't I wasn't jumping out of my skin about it. So there you go. Uh, and as we continue to wait for Coldplay, uh, that's pretty much where we're at so far in the TV watching business. So the ongoing saga here of the Coldplay tickets, um, I actually got on to the site, onto the Ticket Tech site here, uh, and I thought, you beauty. And so I jumped on and started working my way through finding the tickets and then realising that my daughter hadn't actually told me where she wanted to sit or how much she wanted to spend. And... So I'm sort of thinking oh, I can't contact her because she's at school and they don't have they have a no phones policy at the school now, which is a good thing, except in an instance when you really need to get information quickly. So you had to take a guess. So I thought, oh goodness, I don't know. I can't get a reserve. That's way too much. I don't know if she wants to stand up in general standing. All right, I go with B reserve. So I punch that in. I get to the next screen. That'll let her have a look through here. Yes, okay, that's what I want. Halfway through putting in my uh, credit card details, and it times out. And I'm taken back to the waiting room. How good is that? Far out. And yes, I really wanted to use a different word there. That's just ridiculous. And I don't give a rat's ass when they say, yes, there's everybody else trying to get in. and what. You have to have enough time to make the purchase and actually get your details in. So, here I am back in the waiting room. How good's this? And now I don't know if I'm going to get through again. And of course they tell you, oh, you shouldn't uh, go off the screen. You've got to stay on the screen because otherwise you'll lose your place or whatever it is. Which is crap because it's not a queue. It's just a room where everybody is and then they randomly select someone out of it. So how do you know if refreshing your screen's going to work or closing your screen down and starting again or any of that kind of stuff? You don't know. But I have spent hours and hours on this same screen waiting for Taylor Swift tickets over the previous months that I don't think I can sit here and not refresh this bloody screen. Because if I get through to the end here now and don't get back in again, I'm going to be really pissed off. What do you do when you're at a lull in your life? And everybody I know has had these periods. And by a lull, I mean where you just feel as though everything seems to be going okay for everybody else. And nothing seems to be going quite the way that you would like it to go. Um... And how do you deal with that? So let's not boot around the bush here. I'm not going to get 
deep and I'm not going to try and suggest I have answers and I'm not going to try and suggest that my life is so much worse than everybody else's who are out there or even listening uh, or anything like that because if you look at just the surface of everything, there is nothing wrong with my life and everything's going smoothly and everyone's well you know no one's no one's got debilitating diseases uh no one's about to fall off death's door everybody's having a good time but things are changing and i feel as though i need to get it out now i don't have to put it on a podcast because to be honest people won't necessarily be interested at all and uh, if that's the case with you, you should just immediately press forward to whatever the next piece is that comes after. It's hopefully me getting bloody Coldplay tickets, I'll be honest with you, because this screen is still going around and a freaking round. Anyway, <laughs> beyond that, I'm at a loss in uh, pieces of my life at the moment. I, I feel as though I have... One of my kids has moved out of home 18 months ago, and she's off living her life. My middle child is never home. She's got a license and she's got her own car. She's got her own friends. Uh, and she's got work and she's got other things in her life that she does. And that's basically what she's doing. It feels as though she drops by for a few minutes of the day to either change or grab something to eat or whatever it is. And then she's off again, and then she comes home and she goes to bed. And then I don't see her in the morning because I'm at work and she goes to school. So I feel as though I don't see her much at all. And my son, my youngest, is also busy doing what he does. Same thing, he goes to school. He has cricket, he has training, he has games during the week, he has games on weekends. Um, He also works two or three nights a week. And then he also goes and he plays golf and he's got his friends and they go and do stuff as well. So I don't feel as though I see him either. And then my lovely wife uh, also has stuff on. (laughs) Uh, She's got yoga that she likes to do once or twice a week. She goes to trivia with her parents once a week. Um, She goes out for dinners with friends. She has catch-up coffees on weekends with her friends. And all of that's great. But again, it feels like that she's not here as often as she was. And so I'm at a loss. In I feel as though I go to work. And as with all workplaces, you have your ups and downs. But at the moment, there's uh, there are more things that are acting negatively upon my... Uh, I guess what you would call mental health than what has been so in the past. And then I come home and I don't like to bring any frustrations from work home. So I leave them at the door, I come in, which means I don't necessarily talk about them in order to not pass that frustration on to my family. But then the family are gone and I'm here and I'm here with the dog who doesn't really want to be here with me. The dog would rather have anybody else in the house here. And 
I feel as though I should be doing something because I feel as though when people come home, they're going to say, well, why haven't you cooked dinner? Or why haven't you done the washing? Or why haven't you, you know, vacuumed the floor? Or any of those kind of things. And I know that they don't come home and think that. But I guess I've been trained into a position where that's how I feel as though they'll feel. And if I haven't done anything, if I've just... Whatever it is, if I sat down and I've read a book for three hours of an afternoon and they all come home and nothing's done, that they'll say, well, you were home, why wasn't it done? Again, that's something I have to get over because that's not what they're necessarily saying or feeling when they get home. So I'm in a rut, or whatever I called it at the start of the program, a lull, wasn't it? A lull or a, a rut. And... I don't know <laughs> I don't know what to do about it. I don't know how to get myself out of that. Um, I'm happy to watch TV. I'm happy to listen to my music. I'm happy to talk to you on a podcast. Uh, but I don't really know how to get out of that. And I'm certainly never, not even trying to get close to saying, that, oh, Bill, you're suffering from depression because that's rubbish. Uh, and I know it is. But it's, also, not everything's going fine. Um, but, you know what? It could be worse. I could be... Oh, I am. I'm still sitting here waiting for these Coldplay tickets. Things are worse. We just got to figure out a way to work around your schedule. Could we work afternoons? Two to four? Three to five? Monday, Wednesday, Friday, Saturday and Sunday? Rather work mornings. It's a combustible relationship, isn't it? Is it just you and me, or is it you and everybody? What is this isolation therapy? Ha <laughs> ha! Success. Who would have thought? Who would have thought waiting for an hour and 10 minutes would actually get you somewhere? Because with Taylor Swift, it did not. But after going ahead and deciding that I would, yes, shut down my browser and reload in and start again, guess what? Within 10 minutes, I was back in there again. So stick it up your ass, Ticker Tech. I know how to beat the system. Well for Coldplay, which just goes to prove that Coldplay are not as popular as Taylor Swift. And I don't care because they both suck. So anyway, tickets secured. I should be the best father in the world this afternoon. Let's see how that uh, plays in Peoria, shall we? Well... To those of you who have bothered to listen this far, thank you for tuning in to the second episode of It's a Ponderous Life. And I'm sure that this will get more ponderous as we go along, as we come across things to talk about that I've got nowhere else to because, well, actually Max is sitting here, down here next to me, my faithful dog companion, but he's pretty sick of listening to me carry on to him about things in my life. So I carry on to the microphone, pass it on, 
to you. Hope you've enjoyed nothing of what I've said because basically it's going to be very, very ponderous. Thus is the title of the episodes. If you have made it this far, I again uh, appreciate you listening and for tuning in. And as always, I hope that it will allow you to continue to listen to this podcast further down the track. Until then, you have been listening to Thoughts from the Metal Cavern and Cheerio. You have been listening to a Metal Cavern production.